As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two, two, three. It was the time of the preacher. When the story began Of the choice of a lady And the love of a man How he loved her so dearly He went out of his mind when she left him for someone, she left me behind. Oh, oh, it's. Oh, yeah. All right, let's see if we can do this. I love this fucking episode, man. It was so good after the last two. Good evening. Take two, take two. <laughs> Wow. That's going to bury the needles, as we say in the production business. Oh, I know all about burying the <laughs> In yeah. the red, motherfuckers. All right. was, my buddy was playing bass, and his buddy was playing drums, and they gave me the mic. I'm like, Roar! it's like you're peeking the mic, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what I do. <clears throat> wow, yeah. Um, off recorder, we were just talking about how the local allergy season is kicking my ass. And uh, don't really know why, cause, and, and Mr. Hero, too. Um, and I've never been allergic before, but there's yeah. something in the air, man. It's something in the air. Uh, and that, that can be, uh, that's uh, literal and metaphorical these days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anywho, we are uh, Weekly Heroics, uh, Tutu Freak's Guide to Comic Book Stuff on TV. And I'm uh, Scott 2.0, Scott McGregor, one of your regular co-hosts. Joined with my other regular co-host, uh, Hair Metal Hero. Hey, everybody. And uh, we are continuing our, our special 0. 0.6, maybe, issue. I think this would be 9, actually. No, right? no the numbering's all screwed up. Yeah, we're, we're on episode 9 of Preacher, but uh, the, the technical like, episode number that you'll see on a Two True Freaks page in my Photoshop is 0. 0.6, just because. Why not? Numbers Just are around. always keep them guessing, yeah. But um, yeah, so this is uh, what they call the penum- penultimate episode of the the first season of Preacher. Uh, love that word. Um, second to last would also work. If you're not into the the multi syllable words, <laughs> uh, which I might not be tonight. Uh, and and the episode is called "Finish the Song." 
And uh, I'm I just going to, we, we probably should have done this from the get-go. I uh, have a little, like, maybe grading system for each episode. Um, and maybe we'll do that in, in season two. But uh, I, I have to say this episode went full Garth Ennis. Uh, <laughs> you could say that. And it was uh, it was kind of a welcome welcome change from kind of a couple slower and kind of chunky, clunky uh, episodes, in my opinion, anyway. But uh, I guess it's my turn to do the little uh, rundown here, so let's get our recap started. But you got to agree with me on that one, man. Full Garth Ennis in this one, don't you think? I would say so. Or definitely approaching full Garth, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, uh, amputees is, is at least a, a prerequisite for, and we, we got one. Anywho, we open on the uh, old town of Ratwater uh, back in the 1800s, and what proves to be pretty much the rest of the origin of the Santa Killers, which we knew we'd be getting to soon. Um, very cool shots. Opens on an Asian man who's singing in a busy saloon. And Saint enters and uh, confronts our jokey, evil Western preacher guy that he's dealt with in the past. And uh, he starts talking about heaven and forgiveness, the preacher does, and exposes the saint for being uh, the killer of Gettysburg to the big crowd that's in the saloon. Uh, and he asks the, the saint if he'll repent, and he's you know talking about the forgiveness of Jesus and all that. And the saint basically says uh, yeah, Jesus can join us all in hell, and, and uh, fun begins, kids. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you just start slaughtering everyone in the bar, um, starting with our, our, our favorite preacher. And we even get a Wilhelm scream out of the deal. Yeah. I don't know if you caught that one here. Oh, I caught it. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good to hear Mr. Wilhelm show up with something. <laughs> we almost uh, think some mercy might be given to the musician and the singer, but uh, the saint... Uh, sidles on up and shoots the piano player in the head and then and then we still think maybe he's going to let the Asian guy who's singing go because he's doing a really kick-ass job of it and all of a sudden his head just comes off so full decapitation full Garth Ennis going on within 10 minutes gotta love that and then we get uh Sits down at the bar, and we, we see the carnage. It must have been like, st- that That saloon was definitely over fire code, I think. <laughs> There's no fire code. For right occupants. Because there were about like 50, 60 people laying on the floor. It looked like it. It was probably <laughs> closer to 20, but yeah. it looked like more. And uh, then we, he sits down to the bar. We, everything starts rumbling, and a distant thunder is coming, and, and uh, we get the opening titles. So, whoa, pretty good beginning. Pretty good little yeah. uh, uh, hitting the ground running there. So thank you, Santa Killers. Uh, Sheriff Roots uh, has got Jesse in the, the back of his cruiser and, um, of course, asks him again where Eugene is. Jesse tells him he, he, he sent him to hell, which <laughs> Root apparently thinks means she just murdered him. Um, and so he starts explaining to Jesse how unpleasant his stay is going to be in the local prison. Um, thinking he's a child killer. And Jesse <laughs> lights out and just escapes from the car like it's nothing and says, Sorry, see you at church next Sunday. Uh, Fjord and DeBlanc, <laughs> this is a great scene, uh, arrive in the middle of the night at a tourist agency, it seems, which we soon learn is a specialty business that can arrange trips to hell as well. And after a humorous questionnaire by the worker, occupations, uh, serial killer, you know, someone might ask, you're going to hell. Serial killer and architect are the answers they give, which is awesome. Um, 
Yeah. And she tries to get a little extra payment. Uh, she wants to go in the back and have a little roll in the hay with Fior, uh, which she seems willing to do for the greater good, but DeBlanc stops them. A um, little, little jealousy maybe going on there. I don't yeah. know. I've read one theory that kind of blew my mind that um, we'll get to it down the road. But well, all right, I mean, the theory I read was that DeBlanc and Fior might actually be Genesis's parents, which really makes a lot of sense. And, that uh, would be a swerve. Yeah, yeah. Not a huge one, but I think it would be a good way to kind of tie it in, since they're the one caring for the coffee can all this time. Uh, that would belie the fact that it was a warrior on each side, and they are not the warrior cast of angels. True, but remember, uh, I think it's DeBlanc says something later on that, you know, you don't want to go to hell. I've been there. It's it's really not a great place. Oh, fair enough. <clears throat> yeah. And sidetracked. Okay, Emily. Emily, and uh, we get to see good old Cassidy again. Sure, in Big Laura. Emily arrives, and Tulip uh, drops the bomb that Cassidy is a vampire, and doesn't, you know, as I said, I, I think people know about vampires in this universe. Nobody seems to be too terribly surprised that Cassidy's a vampire. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. Um, and anywho, you know, tells her about the medical help that she's been giving Cassidy, and amidst the, uh, she's at there at her uncle Walter's house, and there's a literal menagerie of small animals sitting there, uh, waiting to be, uh, you know, vitamins and and aspirin <laughs> for Mister Mister Cassidy. And uh, said Emily kind of takes it in stride. Well, she's basically being told that you're the new babysitter. You know, I, I'm going. I'm off to uh, kill a man in Albuquerque. Uh, she just doesn't care about Jesse anymore, and uh, Emily puts up a little front and says, "Oh, I got a boyfriend," you know, because Tulip's finally like, "He's yours." Yep. And she's like, "Oh, I got a boyfriend. I'm going with the mayor." <laughs> That's some cute girl talk. Uh, we find Jesse hanging out with some homeless under an overpass. We're asking him, you know, telling him they got a bet on whether he's, you know, lost his shit or not. Asking him how he's going to get uh, bring down God on Sunday, and not a lot happens in that scene. Just some interesting little transition stuff. Uh, Emily goes to feed Cassie, uh, Cassie, Cassidy, a guinea pig, uh, which is almost worse than the large dog they fed up the street. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. there you go, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And she's talking to Miles on the phone, kind of while doing this. Uh, we uh, we get a look at um, Cassidy, and he's he's looking pretty crispy. Yeah, he's still pretty crispy. Fjorn and Blank are back at the uh, Sundowner and decide to toss a coin to see if they go to hell or they call heaven and, and beg for mercy. And after doing a double or nothing thing, they it comes up heaven, but they discover that of course the phone is gone, and so hell it is. Emily is watching appropriately enough Psycho on TV, and she tenderly pets one of Cassidy's future snacks, and he starts screaming for help, and then we uh, cut to Miles at Quinn Cannons that's having some kind of weird homoerotic wrestling match going on. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets a call from Emily begging for him to come and help her because, he, you know, he got out. You know, so we're, we're led to believe that Cassidy has, has broken out and threatening her life. Um... Except if you know, you know, Garth Ennis, where you probably thought, well, I think I know where this is going. And, uh, of course it does. And he enters Cassidy's room uh, as he arrives just to have Emily lock it behind him. 
Yeah. yeah. Crunch, crunch, slurp, slurp, munch. I guess watching Psycho kind of put everything in perspective. Yeah, and there goes uh, the mayor and Emily's unwanted boyfriend. <laughs> so. Yep. Oh. Problem solved. Yeah. That's a... She got real dark real fast. Yeah, a few people in this this one did. <laughs> um, Sheriff Root finally shows up at the Sundowner. It's now been abandoned and, and discovers the grisly remains of... Remember this person? The angel that they had to subdue by dismembering completely and has been hanging out in the bathtub all this time. Yeah. And uh, Root starts comforting her and, you know, sends, you know, dial 911 and, oh, my God, oh, my God. And uh, she begs him to kill her over and over again and Root, of course, trying to be, you know, not realizing that she's going to regenerate, you know, as soon as he does, you know, tries to keep her alive. But then he kind of has a, has a moment of dark compassion and strangles her to death because we yeah. went full Garth Ennis in this episode. Yeah, uh, I did not see that coming from him because <laughs> he's been pretty, uh, pretty even keeled. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's it's one of the it's mercy killing. You know, that's the way I'm sure they played it. I don't know, man. I watched it a couple times and I was trying to read in his face. It's like, is he is the actor trying to convey that he's enjoying this too, or is no, or is my mind so. just wrong? <laughs> and I guess my mind's just wrong. Okay, call it bringing him a little bit closer to his comic book personality of kind of being a prick. Yeah, but as I said, I totally saw it as as a mercy killing, and it was well acted, man. Just anguish and horror on his face. It was good stuff, Uh, good horrible stuff. You uh, like that? Did you neglect to mention the fact that um, the reason the phone is missing is because Jesse has it? Yeah, didn't we learn that? I think a lesson or, or episode or two ago, I believe. So, um, I wasn't sure if they'd done that explicitly or not, but they showed it in this episode. He's walking yeah. out with the phone. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Somewhere in my mind, I knew it. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> That's why they have to go to hell because Jesse stole the phone. Hold the phone. Yep, yep. They, they screwed him. It, although I, I don't know if things in heaven would have gone that much better for him. Uh, all right, yeah, DeBlanc and Fiora waiting. Here's a little Breaking Bad Easter egg that you would have known if you watched that wonderful show. Um, but a Breaking Bad Easter egg, DeBlanc and Fiora waiting for the shuttle to hell. And in Breaking Bad, this was the same sat, same scene, you know, with that weird-looking kind of highway construct uh, that Walter White, the protagonist, ended up taking, like, his bus to, you know, his escape route guy and hired this this guy to pick him up and, and take him to to go on the lamb from the law. But, All right. So being the the main showrunner of this used to work on Breaking Bad, so he's obviously gonna he's gonna sprinkle this show with all kinds of Breaking Bad stuff and I'm gonna love it and laugh at you because you don't know it. It's alright. <laughs> um yeah. Jesse shows up at Walter O'Hare's house. Emily tells him that uh, Cassidy is inside. Jesse goes in to see the carnage, and, and Cass tells him it isn't safe, but he, uh, Jesse refuses to leave. Uh, we learn that Jesse did try to put Cassidy out uh, when he was burned, and he apologizes for not being faster. Love the makeup, man. It totally yeah. went. It was Brundle Fry. Was it not Brundle Fly? I mean, it looked it so. It was pretty close to early stage Brundle Fly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> First thing that jumped into my mind is a little Cronenberg nod there. Uh, they bond over not having to get rid of the, or bond over having to get rid of the mayor's body because you know a good friend will 
bail you out of jail, but your best friend will help you bury a body. <laughs> Something to that effect. Uh, uh, Cassie's been doing quite a bit of that this season. <laughs> yeah, uh, bromance. And <laughs> we cut to Odin talking to Donnie and telling him uh, he escaped, telling him Jesse escaped, but he knows that he'll be on church on Sunday and he's going to denounce God and the greatest lie ever is going to be revealed. Odin Quinn Cannon ranting. Jesse and Cassie, uh, Cassie, what the fuck do I want to call him Cassie? Um, <laughs> for me, I don't even know a Cassie. And uh, they go to get some angel hands because they needed to use the God phone. And Jesse Which tries Cassidy assures Jesse he can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, it looked like. And that's like, much as Cassidy hates the Big Lebowski, that's a Big Lebowski nod, is it not? It's like, yes, you, it is. You want a toe? I can get you a toe before noon today. Yeah. <laughs> Totally Walter. Yep. So, well done, guys. Well played. Uh, are we? Oh, well, Jesse calls Tulip, and he leaves a uh, heartfelt message on her phone answering machine, which nobody fucking has anymore. Nobody actually has an answering machine that you can sit there and listen to, you know? Um, it doesn't look like Anvil is the most built-up town. I think it might still be, like, 1996 there. True. I, I actually come from a town that's still 2006 in, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's understandable. Um, shit, my mom probably still has one, so... I'll just edit that out so I don't sound stupid, so ha. Yeah. Um... <laughs> It leaves a great, you know, heartfelt message uh, to Tulip, and she's listening, and it ends with, for me, it's just you until the end of the world. Violins, crashing romantic music. Not really. But then we see where Tulip is. Yeah, yeah, we just hear where the Tulip is, has found Carlos, has got him tied to a chair, and gagged. And she has a very large meat-tenderizing mallet in her hand, and the rest and is... other instruments in the foreground. Oh, I, I missed those, but okay. Oh, yeah. Good for her. You know, good to, she's going to make a day of it then, huh? It looks like it. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get to see that or not, but let your imaginations run wild. Cut back to the Saint of Killer scene, and we are shown pretty much every scene that they've given us in the series so far. I thought this was very cool how they did this, although maybe a little long. It was a little long, <laughs> but I understand why they did it. Yeah. Because um, they when you finally get through all of the continual and sped up flashback and story of the saint of killers, um, seeing how his life literally went to shit. Yeah. Um, we do get the big title card and it's, yeah. uh, hell. Oh yes. So this is basically his personal hell is, is watching you know, this chain of events that ended in his, his wife's death and his child's death. And then the massacre, at Ratwater, so yeah, so very cool. And uh, after one of the cycles, Fjord de Blank show up, and you know, can basically are like, "We've got a job for you. Please come with us." He's like, "What's the job?" And they're just like, "Please come with us." And he shoots uh, de Blank in the head and kills him. Yeah. And Fjord thinks better of that line of questioning and, and asks him, or tells him what the job is, and he tells him he wants him to kill a preacher. So. The saint smiles, and the thunder crashes, and the gates of hell are apparently open. Jesse and Cass acquire the angel hand, and they bury the mayor and other carcasses to the strains of some old-timey music, and that's pretty much the end of the episode. So. Yeah, this was uh, <clears throat> a fun time in the old town next week. <laughs> this, yeah, this was moving a lot of pieces this episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, the 
the getting the angel hands. Never even thought that the fact that he's killed the blank and Fiora several times would come back into play. Yeah, I, I forgot that too. I'm like, where are they going to get a freaking? You know? Or it's the hands of the seraphim that they chopped up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Either one. Yeah. So it's nice that they're 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 not making it up as they go along. They're they're tying. No, it doesn't stuff. seem like that. It's yeah. just uh, <laughs> it has been slow burn though. But um, I think between the standoff last episode and the literal <laughs> ramping up of tension at the end of this episode uh, definitely is that narr- that sort of narrative thrust that I've been waiting for for quite a while. Yeah, I don't think it's hard to predict what, what's going to go on next week. Um, I still sadly don't think we're going to get uh, Odin Quincannon's meat doll. It doesn't seem to be building to that in any possible respect that it would make logical sense at this point, but I don't know. It's That's up. all right. The fact still that hopeful. He went, still hopeful. Well, um, yeah, but it, you know, they did uh, at least allude to the fact that he's he kind of fetishizes meat um, yeah. by the fact that he dug up the entrails of his dead family. Yeah, um, <clears throat> which is really as uh, sick as I guess he needs to be for the show. Um, well, you know, we have full decapitation in this one and uh, total amputation or way dismemberment scene. So yeah. it's not like they couldn't do it. So. No, they, um, yeah, I mean, and the introduction of the Saint of Killers in Hell is uh, a little bit different in this than it is in the comic. Um, it still plays, though, uh, because they do give you that continuous, rhythmic flashback sequence. Yeah, I think it was a, a good depiction of Hell, because obviously they're not going to be able to kind of go all out and... I don't know, I would still like to see the Saint arriving in Hell and the furnace is getting turned off because he's... <laughs> Yeah. So evil. Yeah, yeah. They'll do something. I mean, they'll, it'll be like steampunk slash Monty Python, like they do with Fiora and DeBlanc. It'll be something weird like that, which is yeah. I'm totally freaking okay with. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not uh, disappointed by it. But uh, he still blows away the the angel that comes to wake him up, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, I to, I, and presumably uh, DeBlanc's not going to recover from that. Um, he didn't in the comics either. I don't think did he. <laughs> Uh, was it him in the comics, or did they send somebody else? I can't remember. I thought it was one of uh, Fjord or Blank that, that got nailed. Maybe it was later on, but I don't know. No, it's when, it's when they go to, say, Wake the Saint. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. Yeah, I think it was one of those two, because then the other one ends up just be deciding to be human and, and becoming, you know, surrounded by women all the time. And, oh, jeez, I forgot all yeah. about that, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and cocaine. I think I remember a lot of cocaine. Uh, of course, yeah. It's, it's almost a given in, in yeah. Garth and its joint, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, we're obviously going to see, I think we'll pretty much see the wholesale slaughter of uh, most of the town next week. If not, so, yeah, and we still got fucking Chekhov's boiler room. So we're going to see the saint kill everyone, and then the whole town's going to blow up, and... I'm thinking that's actually going to be, uh, they'll kind of do it like it was in the comic, that, that Tulip will come back after killing Carlos and find Jesse in the rubble, Jesse and Cassidy, presumably, and and then they'll take off from there. Um, yeah, I don't think the church is going to be sticking around. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, especially after what I assume is going to happen when <laughs> Jesse calls for God and <laughs> God ain't showing up. Yeah, or... Well, God, man, I don't know. I this is worse. At a lot of levels, this is worse than lost because there's a lot of things they could go with. 
and they said they're way off. There, there's no predicting it now, even for us comic fans. I mean, there's th- ways they could go, but there's ways they can't now already. Uh, yeah. Which I love it, you know. It's, well, they they can't have God show up because that would cast a you know asunder any that that's the pretense of Jesse's arc. If he shows up now, it's going to kind of defeat the purpose. I think they could use it, you know, as the catalyst because they haven't really given him that motivation yet to go after God and make him accountable. So I wonder if he actually does make God show up and God says, I'm done with you fucking apes. And and then God, you know, and he's like, and then he chases him or something. I don't know. Well, that's why would they give him the phone? He's going to try to call and nobody's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. true. Yep, so, wow, well, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I didn't watch the preview for what's going to happen, so I have no, to wait yeah. and wait. Well, I'll see what happens. Um but uh, yeah, it's something big is going to happen, and like you said, the Chekhov's boiler room. That something has to something has to give, literally, uh, to kind of spur on the rest of where the show needs to go. If they, uh, I've I've enjoyed it so far. I would like to see it a tighter. Again, I always talk about the narrative thrust. Uh, season two, you've got this intro out of the way now. However, it shakes down. Uh, you can start probably start hewing a little closer to the storylines. Uh, from the comic at this point, people will know who everybody is. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, that's that's where I'm feeling, feeling that it's gonna go. Obviously, they'll change some stuff up, but and that's fine. But there's there's some some pretty big beats that they do need to kind of hit. Uh, they need to start bringing in the um, <clears throat> hopefully the apparition of uh, John Wayne. Yeah, um, yeah, man, I really hope they do. <laughs> yeah. They, we still have unresolved Eugene stuff going on too. So, yeah, that's uh, that's don't really interesting too. <laughs> maybe he'll show up after the church blows up. Who the hell knows? Yeah, or, or maybe yeah, Jesse will try to summon him. Uh, there's so many possibilities. Yeah, I'm, that's. Uh, I'm interested to see what what directions it does take since they have deviated from the source material so far. I'm trying to uh, access our email and see if we have any here. Letters. We want cards and lots of letters. I'm gonna. Uh, well, I'm gonna openly like shame some of our other former guests. Uh, oh, right. And not shame, but just uh, put a call out to them that uh, I'd like. Where I'm trying to get Professor a- Alan Middleton, and we'll try to get Brian Hughes and see if serotonin's available for our like you know the the finale episode and and wrap up. All right. Uh, Sounds good. I think you know any more than merrier. All right. Absolutely, yeah. This uh, this show does beg discussion, and I would like to hear what uh, everybody does have to say on this. It's lonely here. We need input. Input. And we have no email, apparently. Slackers. Sad. You're a slacker, McFly. Sad Scott is sad. Uh, our email address is weeklyheroics at yahoo.com, by the way. Uh, if you yeah, would you like to write to us. You don't even have to email about Preacher. You can email about other stuff. Yeah, suggestions for uh, well, here here's some of my plans for for the other show. I mean, the same show, but this, I need to get caught up on uh, Supergirl clearly um, because that's she's going to be doing big stuff with the Flash and Arrow and Legends. And the first season of Supergirl was very fun. Yeah, I I'm enjoyed sure it. it was. So um, and it looks like they're pretty much successfully porting everything 
over from the CBS show to the CW for the most part. So as of uh, as of now, yeah, it looks like it. So that's a good thing, and then they're somehow going to mold the three. You know, probably thanks to Mister uh, Allen's Flashpoint shenanigans. Um, Anything can happen now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to be seeing there's there's going to be a four show crossover. This is just I guess some kind of you know housekeeping news on superheroes. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, and that would be a brilliant way to do it is just kind of leave like, you know, they crash all the universes together and so then all they're all in the same place, you know. And Supergirl uh, I'm sure can, something is going to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, every, everything but but Supergirl is part of that universe, so. Right, right. But somehow I think, I think they'd be stupid not to fucking get her in the universe, even if they don't use Oh, they it. will. Yeah. They're all in the same company now and, you know. Obviously, that would complicate things a little bit, you know. Oh, they can retcon its TV. Yeah, oh, I'm game. You know, and they're going oh, to have real an actual Superman next season too. So that's going to be yeah. The picture of the costume drop today. It's uh, yeah. I still miss the trunks, but it it looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I think they needed to make him a little older than her, but I mean, we're, we're getting Superman on the air. It's all right. He kind of looks like a Kurt Swan Superman. He's not super bulky, but he's tall and. He's, you know, he's definitely cut, but it's not, it's not Henry Cavill Superman. Yeah, no, I, so I'm, yeah, man, I, that's, that's on top of my to-do list is to catch up on Supergirl. So that's looking pretty cool. So anyway, next week for Preacher, we'll be back. Uh, bye now. It's time for some thrilling heroics, a brand new podcast on twotruefreaks.com. Keep flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible, cover every episode of Joss Whedon's science fiction space opera western, and that makes us mighty. We've found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job, they said yes. Didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence, maybe in the losing side, not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on TutuFreaks.com for Keep Flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave.